0: Welcome to Guerrilla Discipleship. My name is Kevin Baker. You know Tim Parker. We get to do this together, and I'm glad that you're here. Um, we are continuing to go through the seven elements or the seven sales of a disciple-making movement. We're just reviewing them, and uh, I have the privilege of getting Tim's take on some of those uh, sales. And last time we were together, Tim had uh, had made a connection with one of his friends. We were talking about being out among people who are far from God. And uh, Tim talked about a friend that he had connected with. And I said, Tim, we're going to ask about it next time. So, Tim, how did your time with your friend go? Yeah, so uh, I had posted something spiritually obvious uh, on social media.
1: Uh, He reached out and said, hey, I'm going through a tough time. uh, And I really like the messages and a whole bunch of things. And I said, cool, let's find a time to meet and let's have like a, a conversation. He said, all right, that sounds great. I'm really busy and we'll find another time to do it. And I said, great, when do you want to do it? And then nothing.
0: Nothing. <laughs> but
1: that doesn't mean he's not
0: interested. It no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of reasons, yeah. I think, why people get frozen like that. It yeah. feels intimidating. They could get busy. Maybe they're reaching out because they're yeah. in pain and they're whatever's going on in their lives is overwhelming them. So I agree with you. Don't get yeah. discouraged. And Go so ahead. I actually
1: even sent another message this morning. Awesome. Um I was like, hey, just by the way, is there a time over this week or next week where you want to meet? I know it's the middle of the cross season and I think he's a cross coach. Mm. So I'm a... I'm willing to be flexible. Just, you know, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. But we had had at least one or two back and forth. It wasn't just, hey, do you want to meet? And then silence. That's awesome.
0: Well, and I've heard of folks who, you know, and maybe I've experienced this. I don't have anything off the top of my head. But where it's even months later that they're like, hey, I never did get followed back with you, but I would love to talk more about these, you know, whatever it is. So, again, if you're reaching out to people, if you're opening the door for people to connect with, if you're making connections and they're not going anywhere right at the moment don't be discouraged. Part of it is God asked us to be faithful and he promised the fruit. So the fruits on him, the faithfulness really is on us. Are we being faithful to be spiritually obvious? Are we connecting with people? Are we doing anything? I was talking to a guy this morning on the way into church who was at Aldi's and I was making fun of the fact that we've had quite a bit of folks here at at Oakdale talk about Aldi's as a place where they were meeting people. So I challenged him. I said, "Don't you can't leave the store until you're at least spiritually obvious and see if you can start up a conversation with at least one person at Aldi's. I think he's at a different Aldi's, but we'll see. He didn't. Uh, he hasn't called me back yet to see what's going on. But today I want to talk, I want to shift. Thank you for sharing that, Tim. But let's shift um, to talking about, let's say we do have a connection. Let's say that your friend does connect with you. Um, many of us might be asking, well, what would I do next? So yeah. what is it that we're going to do? This is under the C group start. Can you talk a little bit about what that would look like?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to back up a little bit. One thing I had to push back when I was talking to my friend was he's like, Oh, if I was close by, I'm only in Virginia, I'm not that close. I'd love to come to your church. I'd love to do this. And I acknowledge, Hey, that is great and you can, but I think what would be more worthwhile for you and I isn't just to catch up, which is what we should do, but also, you know, see a group start. Yeah. And so um what would that that's, look that's like? That's the pushback is like you want to invite and there's right. nothing wrong with it, but there's something maybe when you're trying to multiply this even better. So what would that look like? I think it would uh well for, for me and this friend it would probably be hey catching up, seeing how one another's doing and then say, hey, you know, um we've, there's this really easy way for us to discover God's word. Uh it's kind of like a couple simple questions. Um is there anything that you know are you interested in that? And then hopefully he would say like yeah sure I'd I'd love to hear about X, Y, or Z or I've been struggling with this. And then I maybe say, you know, is it maybe hope? Is it anxiety? Mm, Uh, Is it your identity? Or is it just like, what would you like to talk about? And then maybe give a a list of a few things. And hopefully he would say, yeah, this is the one. And then say, do you have any friends? Do you have any family? Do you think you want to try it with other people? And then I'm guessing most of the time it's almost always a no, but sometimes it's a yes. And I want to encourage the yes. Uh, And then I think we go into a discovery Bible uh, study.
0: So, course, so let, yeah. let, let's back up just a minute, because I realized I, I didn't mean to cut you off yeah. earlier. You were making the point that the natural thing in our culture is yeah. to say, and the sort of expectation is, oh, man, you're, you're probably going to want me to come to church. And, uh, and again, it's not that, as Tim said, it's not that there's anything wrong with coming to church. But that may not be the best invitation for people, um, especially, as Tim was saying, they may be distant from us. And connecting them with a the church may end up just connecting them with a group of people that they feel lost with. But this, this uh, idea of helping them to begin to discover God's word mm-hmm. is a way to, and it personalizes it, because as you heard Tim was asking, you know, what is it that would be helpful to you? It could be, uh, I don't know if this guy's married, but it mm-hmm. could be how to be the spiritual leader in your home. Um, it could be, man, I'm dealing with a bunch of depression what does God's word have to say about hope or yeah. all of that? And so you heard what Tim was saying. So that allows us to take some scriptures that are particular about an issue that or a circumstance people are going through and invite them to begin to discover what God has to say about it. I loved what, Tim, you said there also is that you would invite him to, hey, are there other folks you want to go through it with? Yeah. If you were going to lead him in that way, would you be a part of it as well? Or how would you do that?
1: Ah. Uh- I think since I don't have that close a relationship with him, I have no clue where he's at. I would just say, "Hey, how about we, uh, how about we go with a group?" And then if he says no, I only just you and me. I would then say, "All right, let's go through for a while. Maybe do one kind of season, then say, would you like me to help you to do it with others?'" Yeah. Um, He's one of three brothers, and I know all the brothers. One was a year older, one was a year Uh. younger, one was mine. And so I might say, "Hey, you know, why don't invite your brothers that you know that I'm I'm friends with, and maybe we can make it kind of like a, a family thing."
0: So one of the things that we've been struggling with, and I don't know if you've struggled with this, and I'm going to, again, I'd like to just put Tim on the spot. He has no idea this is coming. But one of the things I think we've been struggling with is how do we help people just understand God's Word? And so we want to get them in a group. We want them to begin to discover God's Word. But I think in our culture, in the American culture, we want to sort of have the whole uh, systematic picture in our heads. We want to Get it all in, and and how do you go about that? What's the right way to do that? We've been wrestling with that here at Oakdale, and we're going to continue to wrestle through that. But I think the discovery process is really aimed at just taking one piece of scripture, one passage. You could do this through a whole book, but taking, as Tim said, a theme of scripture like hope, or um, what does God's word have to say about anxiety, or or whatever and begin to look at that just to begin to get answers to an immediate need. That's not going to help you understand all of God's Word, but you've got to start somewhere, right? If you've never been a person who has read God's Word, or maybe you've read it a little bit, or you've been exposed to church, you're you're used to hearing people teach, probably, and they're bringing passages from all sorts of parts of the Scripture together, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, but we got to start somewhere, and so Starting in a particular passage, making sure that I understand what that passage mm-hmm. says, and that I've got some skill at at least trying to figure out, you know, what's the right boundaries with which to look at a passage of scripture is often the best place to begin. So it's not overwhelming. It's just a tool to begin to get used in or to, to begin to use. Tim, would you just run through those seven questions of a discovery group? Do you have them in your head?
1: Yeah, I have them in my head. And I know that. My seven are a little bit maybe different than yours. Okay, I want to hear your seven. Because um, I grew up with, not rhythm, was doing them from, I think, like dbsguide.org. Okay. And they're slightly different than the e-life one, I, but that's okay. So I get to learn, I get to
0: learn something here. <laughs> um,
1: the first one, uh, there's always the, uh, what are you thankful for? Okay. I always start with gratitude, uh, yeah. whether it's your daily devotions or a meeting. Uh, I call it your your blessings and your stressing. So what are you, ah, it's okay. a good, I like rhyming. So what, what are you, what are you um, stressed out about? What are you worried about? What are you anxious over? Uh, and I know uh, that you typically say, hey, is there any way we can help solve any of those issues yeah. or stresses right now? Um, and then you try to solve them if you can. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, go back to, did you read the scripture last time? And you look at the story that you told and have someone retell it. Right. That's only fits the second time. If it's the first time, you don't do that. Yeah. Um, and so then the, the next question is, um, after you read the passage and you have people uh, retell it in their own words, because... You can hear it without actually hearing it. Yeah. That was your <laughs> message yeah, not that's too long true. ago. That's true. Um, you then ask people, what does this pastor say about God? Um, then the next one is, what does it say about humans? Uh, next one is, what are you going to do about it? An action step, an mm-hmm. I will statement. And then the last one is, um, who are you going to tell?
0: So there's seven questions. I don't know if you heard that. Um, yeah. Let me just see if we can re- repeat it again. The first one is blessings, as Tim said. You know, What, what, what are you thankful for? The second one is stressings. <laughs> What's going on in your life that might be stressing you out? The third one is, how could we help? Because we do want to, we don't want to just have people talk about how much pain they're in. We want to say, is there anything we could do to help you with that? Um, And then we're going to start looking at the scripture, uh, either review what we did last week, or if it's a new group, start it again. And we're asking four questions there. Two are content related. One is, uh, what does it say about God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? What is it saying there? The other one is about people. What does it tell us about people? Then the last two questions, as you heard Tim say, are really focused on my response to the message. What am I going to do? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to me about? Could be small, could be huge, could be a life change. I think what God's asking me to do is, you know, break up with my girlfriend. I don't know. It could be, it could be right, that, that you're looking at your relationship or looking at something and, and feeling like God's really speaking to you about an issue but it could be just, you know, I'm going to commit to pray more this week or whatever.
1: Yeah,
0: I think what I usually say is the more concrete we can make that, the more tangible that you can make that I will statement. Because there's, you know, there's a big difference between I'm going to try and be a better Christian. Yeah. Well, how do you know what that looks like? As opposed to I'm going to pray 20 minutes every day for the next seven days. That's measurable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I can know whether I accomplished it or not. So I always encourage people to make that that obedience step as tangible and as measurable as possible for their own sake to, to be able to know whether they accomplished it or not. And then the last one is how can you share this or, or who could you share this with? So maybe as your you and your friend went, if, if you yeah. end up going through it, he might say, I'd like to talk to my brothers about yeah. this. So seven questions. Anybody can ask those seven questions. Yeah. That's the great thing. Why do we care about them beginning a group And they don't have to follow this discovery group process, but uh, Bible study tool. But what's the point of getting people together with other people around God's Word? Why is that the next step after we get connected to them in a spiritual conversation or prayer?
1: Uh, I think there's a whole bunch of reasons. The first one that's coming to mind is that you want to get them engaged actively with the one true God, actively in His Word, in Not the only way he reveals himself, but the primary way he has and does reveal himself to us and saying, look, this is I like the Home Depot thing. uh, You can do it. We can help. Giving them right access, giving them the tools and saying, I'm going to walk alongside you instead of uh, kind of the Western model, which is let me show you my intellect and uh, how I have to be the educator in this pedagogical kind of like whole entire like theory. It's just like I'm going to walk alongside you instead of like, can you build the house for me? It's can I help you build the house with you?
0: Well, in that Tim's just a smart guy. So the reality, <laughs> the reality is that if I become the teacher, which has been our model in the church, I'm going to show you all my wisdom. Then they're dependent upon me. What Tim was just saying is that we want to get them dependent upon God's word. We want to show them that they can read God's word. And growing up, my probably I would have said the the best evangelist that I had ever known. Was Billy Graham? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have another evangelist that you would? I highlight? think I think
1: everyone in the U.S. would probably say with the past so Billy, 50 years. Billy Graham,
0: Billy, yeah. Billy Graham. Yeah. But here's, there's actually a better evangelist than Billy Graham. In fact, there's nobody that compares to this evangelist, and that's the Holy Spirit. And when we read God's Word, the Word itself promises that it's that the Word of God is active and and it's never going to return back to God void. So it accomplishes what God wants it to do. So we're, by letting people discover God's Word, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in their heart in just the right way, because the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your yeah. friend's life or in my life, and the Holy Spirit can emphasize and convict around this, this, the things that the Holy Spirit knows need to be dealt with first, or, or the way to get someone's heart right at the beginning. So we're, by giving them access to God's Word, what we're doing is we're saying, God This is your child, and you love them, and you're going to speak to them. We know that you speak through your word, and we're going to give them confidence in God's word rather than confidence in Tim. Tim's a good man to have confidence in, but Tim can't be the person— that it will stop multiplication if it always rests on Tim or yeah. me or you or someone else. Go ahead. You no. wanted to say something.
1: I just uh, like the idea of walking alongside someone instead of in front of them. Yes. And I think sometimes one of the critiques of this idea is this model is, oh, well, then you're just letting them go to their own devices. Mm. And it's, you're you're mentoring them. You're walking alongside of them. You're not just saying, here's a Bible. See you later. Right. Because right? Um, some people say, what if there's all these issues? What if there's all these problems? Yeah. What if they start believing Heresy, is like, and, and, and the church still has heresy even with right. people being followed. So I, that's kind of like the the thing that I think that, the I don't know, the paradigm you kind of have to get over is you can still walk alongside someone and mentor them at the same time without being the person leading them or the funnel they have to go through. Yeah. And it's not either, you know.
0: Boy, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think in our culture, that's one of the number one mm-hmm. problems that people have. They're afraid that if we turn people loose in the scriptures, mm-hmm. that they'll get they'll get all caught up in some kind of wrong thinking and heresy. Yeah. But we're not abandoning them, as Tim said. Yeah. We're we're engaging. Maybe we won't be in the group. Maybe this guy that's friends of Tim will do the group with his brothers, but Tim will be walking alongside of him every week, asking him how did the group go? Are there any questions that you need? That's that's actually ongoing coaching, which is the final step. We're going to talk about that next week. But but just to make sure that you know. We're not abandoning people and just saying, go read the scriptures. But think about how Jesus did this. Jesus didn't get all of his disciples in a classroom or sit them down on the side of the hill and just say, okay, take some notes. I want you guys to take some notes. He actually helped them to experience God's word. And he he really, Jesus was the master at discovery because he knew they were going to ask questions. He taught in parables so that people would ask questions. Hey, I'm confused by this. He didn't just make it clear and plain to them because there's something powerful about discovering truth as opposed to having truth shoved at you. And I'm just convinced that our culture, especially the younger people in our culture, want spiritual truth, but they don't really appreciate Christians just slamming it at them and telling them, this is what you have to believe. Because often that is not, it's not—it's—it's not as pure as we would like for it to be. It's, it's how I see the scripture. Uh, now, again, I'm not trying to make make this that the scripture can speak to, you know, that it can mean many different things. What I'm saying is that we all have our biases, right? We all have our own uh, set of prejudices that we bring. And what we want is for God's word to be speaking to them. And as long as they're abiding in God's word in healthy ways, as long as the boundary is, where did you see that in scripture? It's going to be hard for them to go uh, in a bad direction. They can, but the disciples went in bad directions, and Jesus had to say, okay, yeah. hold on. I mean, at one point, <laughs> Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. What you're saying right now is the opposite of what should be said. I have a
1: funny analogy. I think it was like one of those cheesy social media things. They said, you know, uh, Judas had the best teacher in the world, and he still went astray. Yeah, And so you exactly. could be the best mentor, the best disciple maker, and still have
0: someone right. betray you.
1: Right? And so. Even, have I'm sure experience. there's some I'm sure there's some people
0: right now going yes but wait a minute he was doomed to destruction from the beginning but right the point is that Je- just look at the way that Jesus taught and look at the way that we teach in our culture they are really drastically different. Mm-hmm. Jesus elicited questions he allowed people to fumble through he allowed people to make mistakes so that they could get it themselves probably one of the biggest problems in our parenting today is we keep protecting mm-hmm. our kids from struggle and, and making mistakes. And so they, they just they just know what mom and dad believe. Yeah, that's good. They they don't know, hey, hey, I've tried this. I've I've wrestled with this enough. And we don't give our kids a chance. We're so afraid they'll go off track yeah. that we that we don't allow them to discover for themselves and to really have because you're you're complimenting someone if you say, hey, why don't you discover this for You, you you're saying I have confidence that you can figure this out. I'm not going to just spell it out for you and give you all my Teaching and one of the things that I, I remember a, a pastor saying to me that uh, as he was trying to multiply small groups, he said, "You know, I always wanted to be the best small group or, uh, sm- best, ugh, <laughs> best small group leader that there was, and I, I'm always looking to get you know an A plus on how I led the group." He realized he was setting his whole mm-hmm. church up for failure because no one could lead a group. He he had this seminary degree. No one could lead mm-hmm. a group as well as he. So he realized no one wanted to volunteer to take any groups because they all were going to compare themselves to him. Maybe he was arrogant. I don't know. But what he ended up saying is, I decided and determined to become a C-plus group leader. Yep. That way, no one would feel intimidated about, well, gosh, I've seen you know, so-and-so do this. He's not doing it all that great. But some of that is me getting my ego out of the way and being willing to not be the star not be the one that people go, oh, you've got to listen to Kevin when he leads or Tim when he leads.
1: Man. I, I did the same thing. We have a group called Find Your Place. And uh, we have the questions. You pass them all out and say, can you ask the next question? Can you ask the next question? And we challenged people the first week to uh, to pray uh, for the person to their right. And mm. I said, I know that some of us don't want to pray out loud, I can't pray out loud, but we're just going to do it. I'll say one sentence of your stressings and one sentence of your blessings. I literally <laughs> just stuck to one sentence. God, thank you for this group. Um, God, I'm stressing out about finances. And then went to the next person and kept it simple because I know if I started doing, you know, the whole pastoral prayer thing and then, you know, people went around the circle and if anyone said anything more than I did, they were like, wow, impressive. If they said the same, you know, at least you said what Pastor Tim said.
0: So that's good. (laughs) We want to get people in groups and we want to help people. I think what I would say is we want to help people take small steps. A lot of small steps are going to end up being get, getting people farther down the road than putting too big a hurdle in front of people where they'll quit or they may never get started because they'll be like, I don't even know how to start with this. It's overwhelming to me. So one of the things that Jesus did as an apprentice or as a master who had apprentices was that he, he, he helped them to, to, to see it done. He helped them to, to experience it and he made it simple. He didn't overwhelm them. Uh, and we've got to stop overwhelming people and let them see how powerfully God will use them, even though they're they're uh, going to probably say, I'm just an ordinary person. You know, we're all just ordinary yeah. people, and it's a matter of allowing God to use us. All right, so anything else you want to say uh, about small groups and getting people together to discover God's word?
1: I just want to emphasize something you said, which okay. was uh, let them fumble. I yes. think that, especially now more than ever, maybe in our culture, experiences the the biggest and best teacher mm. um, allowing people to fumble. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about the analogy you said about um, kids, right? And yes. We always want to like put kids in bubble wrap and make sure yeah. they don't hit their head on things. And, right. and some of the best things they can learn is to experience it themselves because you can't make a kid or make a child want something. They kind of, I mean, I had to go through it. know the stove is hot before you exactly. don't want to touch the stove. Exactly. And then I never touched it again. And I think um, having those experiences are, is, is a way better teacher than being that head knowledge. Uh, yeah. I had a, a wrestling coach when I first started wrestling um, and I wasn't very good at it. And I really beat myself up after my first mm-hmm. loss when I was like an actual big match in middle school. Yeah. And he said, you know, Parker, because uh, that's what they do in jock sports, right? <laughs> you say him by last name. He says, I'll still remember uh, Mr. Yanks. He says, you learn more from your losses than you do from your wins.
0: That's true. And
1: so just remembering you know, that, I think that works in discipleship as well is as as yeah. people make mistakes or or wrestle with things, they're going to learn way more from learning what unforgiveness looks like than just reading yeah. un- about forgiveness in the Bible.
0: I love that. So... <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's our encouragement. Keep working and know you're going to fail. Yeah. Right? Just know you're going to fail, but fail forward. Yeah. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from, oh, man, I failed at that because, in fact, I, I was talking to, to a pastor this morning in a in a prayer time that I have on Wednesday mornings, and, um, and he was saying that he met a person, happened to, to have a, a conversation with him that turned spiritual, and the guy had a, a prayer need. And the pastor said this morning, I let him walk away without praying for him right in that moment. Well, I'm, as far as I know, he's not even trained in disciple making at all. He's just being a pastor and he started kicking himself and he, now he said, I did pray for him, but I was like, why didn't I pray for him? I guarantee you the next opportunity mm-hmm. that comes in his way, he's going to remember, oh, I'm praying for you this time because I didn't do it last time. So we all fail. Yeah. We, we all fail. We fail. Circumstances don't turn out the way that we think they're going to or we want them to. Uh, The friend doesn't, you know, he reaches out, seems to be spiritually hungry. Then nothing. Let God work. God is ripening the fruit. We're simply harvesters, laborers in the field for God. And we want to do this in cooperation with God. If we we aren't failing, we're probably not stretching ourselves enough. We're just staying in what we're totally comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And unless you're extraordinary, what you and I have been comfortable with is probably not what God's been sending us to it's what we're comfortable <laughs> with. So, all right, Tim, anything else? That's it. Yeah. All right, great to be with you again as always T Parker at oakdale.church, K Baker at oakdale.church. Let us know how we can do uh, a better job of resourcing you if there are topics you wish we would talk about. We're going to try and continue to do this together. We may interview some other people. It may be that you'll only see Tim at some points and him interviewing people or whatever, but this really is geared toward helping you become more equipped, better equipped, more confident, and active in making disciples. So thank you for being a part of Gorilla Discipleship, and we'll see you next week.